0: Hey guys, it's Naylor. I have a big favor to ask of you. I know you just clicked play on this podcast, but before you get settled in, can you do me a big favor and go into the app that you're listening to this episode on and click follow or subscribe? And while you're there, click download so you don't get any interruptions due to spotty service. This way you can fully enjoy the episode. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it.
1: Here we go.
0: Thanks for listening to the LCR Media podcast where we get to know the pros. I'm your host LCR and I'm back here to, today with Kevin finishing up our conversation from Tuesday where we were just talking about all of his experiences with the different companies that he's worked for. He you know he, this whole time he has had his own clients his own business as a solo lawn and landscape provider. He also worked for several local large companies, a, a nursery, a land, nursery and landscape supplier. Um, he's worked for a large corporate nationwide corporate uh, lawn and landscape company. He just recently left there to work for a smaller regional lawn and landscape company. Uh, as well as still having his own business. He went to college, got his business degree during all of that, as well as he worked for me part-time for a few months. So there's just so much that we've been talking about, so much great value, so many good conversations and good stories. Uh, So this is part two. So we're going to go ahead and continue this conversation.
2: My regional manager the company I was working for, um, messaged me one day and says, I want to meet with you in my office. I said, yes, sir. And he said, "Uh, hey, I know you had put in for that position. And he was one of the people who interviewed me, that Mm -hmm. account manager position a few months ago. Did we ever follow up with you on that? And I said, kind of, not really, but a little bit. And he said, all right, well, we're going to see what we need to do to help you move up in this company. Okay. And so he brought in my boss, who was an account manager, my branch manager, and we met and talked, talked about training, what the path I wanted to take, Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, and the steps I would take. And a few things, including training with my boss and finding my replacement to take my position so I couldn't move up, Mm -hmm. because that was one of the requirements to find a replacement. Oh, okay. Well... Unfortunately, none of that ever fell through. I tried looking for my replacement. I eventually did, but none of the training went through and a couple positions had opened that I never got really got a chance to get. So okay. finally I said, you know what, I think this is where I'm going to be maxing out at this company. So I called I called around, started looking around a little bit, mm-hmm. and the company I work for now. Was looking kind of for an op- what we call operations managers mm-hmm. or field operations managers, which serve both the role of being an account manager, working with a customer, trying to do enhancement sales, make sure the customer's needs are met, combined with running two to three crews and making sure that the work gets done. But since it's a smaller company, smaller firm, the model works better. But if they do, the operations managers do get too overwhelmed they give them assistant operations managers assistant right. field operations managers right so they were kind of looking for an assistant field operations manager so they could train and develop to move up and become an operations manager eventually and at the same time help out they're more almost like overworked but help out their current managers before they get overwhelmed right and that's where i kind of fit in gotcha. where i had experience i hadn't knowledge of customer service, knowledge in leading teams. And that's when they gave me the offer saying, hey, we know you're a good fit. We know you can grow with us and develop with us. Mm -hmm. We want you to train underneath. One current field operations manager is my boss currently. And you will also help him with a couple of his crucial routes and a couple of his crucial crews, working with them, developing them, until we can get you into this next spot. right? And it was basically, I was kind of being like a production manager for these routes, yeah. working with them. I was much more empowered. I wasn't just going out there like as a foreman or a supervisor, leading crews, leading teams of people in the field. I'm, I still do that to a little bit of an extent, but now right. I'm going, I'm meeting with, you know, my boss is the owner of the company, the chief operations officer, my my boss and basically you know big part of meetings were meeting with administrators helping mm-hmm. out plan for the future in the next year so i'm part of that management team now gotcha and so once i got that offer and i had the ability to move up which is the core issue was i wanted to move up i wanted to grow and develop right with a company i took the opportunity and went with it gotcha so and so, and, and
0: yes so, so that's so that's where you're working now so you left the the, the bigger the big um, national company and now you're working for the, a smaller we'll say regional you know local company yes. um, so you just started there everything's probably still in you know the the, the
2: honeymoon phase and training <laughs> and you know well, everything's all good right it, it is but it, it's interesting um the differences i see here compared to where i worked previously just with not just the management team but with the guys i'm in charge of is night and day hmm. um the guys i'm in charge of are younger guys early 20s but we re- really just have great attitudes willing to work um you get to talk to them get to know them real open and they're great with people like we do a few retirement communities and they'll be there they'll, they'll be so nice and polite hmm. to the, the older people walking around yeah and they help build those relationships with the customers they have a lot of knowledge even though they haven't been in the field for a long time right so they they're really good. Um,
0: so it sounds like they're really good at finding those kind of folks. So, I mean, from your experience working for both right now, uh, what, what is there any key differences? Yeah, they pay them more. They pay them more. So they pay more to find better people instead of just, just getting whoever they can get to get the job done at the bare minimum.
2: I do not care what anybody in this industry says. You get what you pay for. If you pay people between 10 to $12 an hour in this industry, you're going to get the bottom of the barrel people for the most part. If you do get good people at that dollar amount, you will lose them. And one of the things I heard working at my previous company was, well, I don't want to find these people who are just looking for the next dollar and will move on. That's not what this is about. If they can't make their base needs, if they can't pay their bills and meet their lowest level of needs through what you're giving them, they're not going to stay with you and they're going to move on. Because you got companies out there right now that are paying experienced crewmen sixteen to seventeen dollars an hour, and if yeah. you're paying them ten to twelve bucks an hour, <laughs> yeah, that's you're not, not going to keep them, right? Yeah, so wow. that is the biggest thing: is they pay them more and they treat them better. They treat them with respect. They treat them like human beings. If you go out on the job site and you start yelling at your guys or berating them. Or not, or just just belittling them, or saying, you "No, know, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this?" and cussing at them, or just all your stress and problems goes down on your teams. They're not going to perform right. You cannot take your issues out. You cannot stress out your guys because they're either not going to stay or they're not going to be enthusiastic. I mean, would you want to come into work at a place where your bosses? Where your leaders are taking all the problems out on you. No, well, I've,
0: you- I've been there, done that exactly. in, reta- in retail management, which was part of my stress there. I was always stuck exactly. with those people. Even if I was the boss, I was always a boss, but I always had a boss and a boss's boss's boss. And it was like something out of the movie office, uh space or whatever back in the day and it's just like oh you know enough with the tps reports you know for anyone that remembers (laughs) that old exactly it's like come on get off my back how am i supposed to get anything done if you're just constantly berating me
2: well exactly and it's like why are we putting out your fires that you're creating is some of the things i would realize that you know you had this fire you had this problem that because of your lack of knowledge or your lack of are you not doing your job? Right, you 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 not we taking to, action. Yeah. You're not you're not holding yourself exactly. accountable. Now you're trying to or, pass the buck. Or you know, another thing too is all about keeping your word to people. I don't know how many times I saw it that people were not getting their raises. Oh wow, that's yeah, uh, that's rough. Oh, people not getting their raises. People, you know, broken promises. That, um, just, that just completely destroys
0: morale exactly your team over time. And now um, the customers, the clients, are the ones that are that are suffering. Yes. And they're complaining and wondering why things aren't getting done. And it's, it's it just becomes like yes. a whole
2: downward spiral. And the fact that you as leaders, to be a good leader, you have to realize that you are not perfect. That you will make mistakes. And you have to admit that. You have to have the attitude that you are not infallible. And you have to take responsibility. And you have to you know realize that, you know what, I'm going to make mistakes. Or I'm not perfect. And you have to take responsibility for that. If you can't do that and you put all those problems back on your teams, the people aren't stupid. Right. They're going to go find someplace else or they're just going to be basically goes, well, screw you. Right. Right. And I hate to say this, but a lot, I learned a lot of that working in the corporate world. Yeah. I saw a lot of it and I just went, God, you know, I I can't believe that I'm going, I'm seeing all this. I expected better out of this experience. Yeah. And just when I made the transition to this new company, it was completely different. I mean, I remember two days it's before more what you were expecting from the exactly. other company. You're like, oh, I see what's going oh, on oh, now. I remember two days before, a few days before I started, the chief operations officer, the man who basically runs the company, mm-hmm. he just he runs the operations, um, he, he texts me saying, hey, it was the Friday before I started saying, hey, are you free tomorrow? i to meet you somewhere. We'll grab lunch and we'll sit down. I want to talk to you about a few things. I said, sure. And he basically sat down with me, pulled out his iPad, and showed me what the sixteen points of success at this company, where he highlighted the jobs I was going to be responsible for, who I was going to be working for, who was going to be my direct supervisor in addition to him, um, the values the company had, the names of every single guy I was in charge of, and just you know what he what he wanted to see his zero tolerance policies on certain things, and he also bought me lunch. Right, And just from the get-go, I
0: mean, he, he, re- he really set those high expectations for you. You're just well, like, wow, this is a great experience.
2: This is much like better than what I was having before. He, he said, it, like, when I started the previous company, the first day was me being introduced to another supervisor, another foreman, who I think was hungover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Walked me around, did not have a good attitude. And for a few weeks as I trained under this guy, I didn't learn much. Right. He basically treated me as an overpaid laborer. Yeah. And so when I finally got a chance to have a team and a route and a truck, I I went to some of the more experienced foreman. I had to go to them, and they mm-hmm. who, these are guys who've been forming for thirty different years, thirty right. years, yeah. And I learned a lot from them and asked them questions. Gotcha. But well, that's good that you
0: took that initiative, so you yeah. could get something out of it.
2: Well, I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I wanted I take a lot of pride in what I do. I wanted right. to learn, right? But this experience was, hey, we're going to ease you into this and make this transition. Simple, And as one of my mentors taught me, is that if they make the process simple and easier on you, and they make it a seamless transition, that's a sign of good management and good leadership. And that's what they did. And the only bad day I ever had working here so far, and this is only my third week, of course, right? but was we one day had to go out to, we do the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts in Richmond. Okay. And we do what's called porter service, where we go out there and basically just change out the trash bags and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So it was pouring down rain. We had to change out trash bags. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, they let me go and get an extra change of clothes yeah. and a few oh, other man. things. So <laughs> that was the only bad experience. But
0: yeah. But just, that's you know that's it is. But it is what it is. and whatever. Yeah. But
2: it's like I was sitting there talking to the, the fleet manager today. I'm like, hey, I want these mowers and equipment for my for my guys, and he placed the order for them wow yeah he just placed the order for him granted because we we use uh the company i work for right now we use right mowers Mm. we're going all right yeah you know i couldn't say hey i want three brand new 60 inch x mark turf tracers but i said i want these machines and i want these push mowers or a push mower i only got one but i wanted this equipment and sure enough that's a he placed the order for me called the dealer and ordered it and i said in the corporate world, it's not like that. You pretty much have. Well, this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. Granted, when I worked there, we had some, we had some fun toys, right? But, but still, you know, having that ability to choose, and you know, you have that knowledge yeah. and experience, and they trust that to. Help you decide. Yeah, it's it, it seems like a good sweet spot where this company is at. But
0: did, you know, we talked a little bit off air about, um, or I think you alluded to some some growth that they wanted to go go yes. to. Like, to, do they want to be more like the the national company that you worked for? Like, how well, big do they want to go? Because that's where I think things can get, get a little shaky and get off the rails. And how these big national companies get all like what you're describing because so, it's it so big, it's hard to really manage all those de- little details. So there's there a sweet... Or it sweet, gets
2: harder. There's kind of a sweet spot and to kind of go off of running your business like a smaller company. Have you ever heard of the book, E-Myth? Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the part, points that E-Myth makes is if you want to grow your business and develop it, you can't run a big business like a small business. If you want to grow your small business, you have to operate and run it like a bigger company. Right. Which means you have to have the you know, the kind of the financial structure, but also the policies and procedures in place. Think big, big, stay small. Exactly. And so, and I've talked about with different people about where, you know, the kind of the sweet spot of a company this size should be. And usually it's regional. Usually like... It just gets off the rails if you get too much bigger than that, Exactly. Usually you start losing that quality control. You start losing those core values. Right. You start losing what... Matters what, to a lot. Exactly. of Exactly, you start losing that value of people. Yeah, it's that, and also when you start dividing ownership of companies, um, a lot of these national companies, some of them, it may, they may, you know, you may see the CEO, but the CEO is not the only owner of a company. Right. You also have the pre- divisional presidents, divisional vice presidents, right? Um, regional managers also have owning shares.
0: Yeah. Too many cooks in the kitchen, exactly. or whatever. Yeah. You have
2: too many hands in the pot trying yeah. to take as much as they can out of the company right. because they're trying to work in their own self-interest. Right. And so when a company gets to that point, you start losing the passion and start losing the values, and it's becoming 100% about profit, Right. which, yes, we are in business to make money, Right. but you can still make good money while keeping the core values of what your company is about and what your people are all about. Right. And that's kind of where we're at right now is we – you know, none of us, a lot. Some of us worked for those big companies. Some of us see the mistakes the big companies did,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we don't want to make those mistakes. You know, we're people who love the, this industry. We love what we do. We like our guys. We want to enjoy what we do. And as we grow and develop, I don't think we have any massive ambitions of being the biggest companies out there. Mm-hmm. We don't want to snatch up every single job available. We think we can make a buck off of because sometimes you don't want those jobs. You don't want every single job that's out there or every property. You want the ones you know are going to be loyal customers throughout the years. Right. That you can build good relationships with. That you know are going to be good partners. Right. With you. Right. You don't want to go, "Oh, this property we can make, you know, $10,000 off next year and just milk that until the the well runs dry." Right. Or we know we just want to snatch onto this and every single one that's available. Right, you don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Right. Granted, we are growing, and we're going to have to, you know, branch off and expand. But we're trying to do it where it's controllable. Right. You know what uncontrolled growth is called? What's that? Cancer. <laughs> oh man. And That's it's true. Yeah. If you as a company are growing to the point where you can't control it, you have cancerous growth. Yeah. And I've, and it's happened in this industry. It's happened. If you've paid attention to the landscape companies in this industry for mm-hmm. the past. Five to 10 years, just the attrition, mm-hmm. especially of the larger companies. It's the same story of these bigger companies growing, and then all of a sudden you start seeing them lose work. They grow again, or they get bought out, or there's a merger. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else comes and takes up all that work that's there. Some of them have gone under. So you don't want to be growing to the point where you know one day the bubble is going to burst, yeah. or the cancer just becomes all-consuming, right. and you start losing everything that your guys and you have built up. Right. You want your growth to be sustainable. It's you want it to be smart. Like we've talked, people have talked about smart goals. Right. You want your growth and development to be smart and right. with some thought processes in it. Yeah. It's like let's take you as a solo operator, mm-hmm. and you're trying to grow your business. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say you work mostly in suburbia, and you know you're growing and developing. And you're getting more and more customers. I'm just going to use equipment as an example. Mm-hmm. So you got like some 48, 52 inch walk behinds. Well. Then all of a sudden, you get these multi-acre, really nice jobs out at Cheston Landing, out in these really high-end neighborhoods in the area. Well, these are huge job sites. You don't have, the, you know, ten to fifteen thousand dollars zero turn riders to cut these properties, but you take them anyway. Yeah. Well, why did you do that? Because you can't. You can't maintain those properties with the rig you have yeah, currently, right? Because it's going to take too long. You know, right. The equipment's not efficient for the job that you have. But what if instead, before you take those jobs, you have the equipment, you prepare ahead of time, right? So it's all about growing with a good plan and set, growing and developing your business with some er erring on the side of caution, so to speak, because you don't want to be, because if you take up all this work in the commercial industry where you don't have the crews in place, you don't have the personnel in place, where you know right now with all the, like let's say you're growing right now Mm -hmm. in COVID times. Right. You're getting all this work left and right. Well, the industry right now, especially on the commercial side, is having the hardest time with getting employees, Yeah. with finding even supervisors. So, But you're still growing and developing, taking all this work. Well, that's great, but who are you going to use to fill up all those trucks? <laughs> right. Yeah, you can buy the trucks. Yeah. You can buy the mowers. But you need people to run the stuff the and person, to get the work done. Exactly. If you can't yeah. do that, where right now, trying to find people because of the way unemployment is being ran – because the way that the economy is right now people aren't looking for those jobs and you're trying to fill up those trucks well you're not going to have people to do all that work right you don't want to get to that level of growth right to where you're just snatching everything up left and right. right and that's what we're trying to avoid as a company that's what I'm trying to avoid yeah because again you will lose everything that you set out to accomplish in the first place
0: yeah well we're going to we're going to um take another quick break and uh, I just want to dig in a little bit more. If you, you have a little more, time? I got plenty of
2: time. <laughs> so I, got, I like I said, I took a whole thing of coffee before I came in here. And all right, I to be anywhere till tomorrow anyway.
0: So we're we're, we're going to take a quick another quick break, and and we're going to dig in a little bit more about your company. Yes, like, that, you, that you still have all right. Yes, you know, of your, your own solo company. <laughs> and then I want to kind of really, uh, you know, really. Um, really geek out with the whole uh you know setups and rigs and mowers and equipment oh, stuff and see stuff. if we can you know rattle <laughs> some of that stuff off so uh, we'll we'll get we'll dive into that you know right, right after this short break kanabi outdoor power and terry's small engine are family owned and operated and conveniently located in midlothian virginia they can provide you with the latest and best in outdoor power products to make your outdoor living more enjoyable Combine this wide array of selections with their friendly and knowledgeable staff and they're convinced Kanabi Outdoor Power and Terry's Small Engine will become your only stop for all of your outdoor power needs. Go to com or click the link in the show notes for locations and more details. Hey guys, it's Naylor. Has there ever been a guest that you were listening to on a podcast that you wanted to ask a question that just wasn't asked? Well, now's your opportunity. Send me an email at lawncarerookie at gmail.com. Tell me who you want me to interview, what question you want to ask them, and for that matter, if there's any questions you have for me that you want me to answer, and I may give you a call and answer the questions live on the air. All right. Well, we are back here with Kevin, and we are just going to, we've been really really, really going down some great topics and talking about this industry. Kevin has so much experience from just the years that he's been doing it solo himself and then working for some some big corporate companies and just lots of insight and experience. Um, so, you know, kind of want to wind down the episode here, get back to talking about Kevin's business and then kind of yes. really get get in, just kind of nerd out a little bit, I guess, with, uh, with the different rig setups <laughs> and mowers and equipment that he's kind of experienced with all these different commercial uh, aspects and, 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 uh, companies that he worked for. But so during all this time, you still consistently yes. kept a, a, a pretty sizable customer base, like 50 to, to 80, you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and what, what, why, why, you, <laughs> I, I think I, I've heard a lot of people, you know, they like a local guy, I know, you know, got rid of all of his accounts as a solo person. And a lot of people called me, he referred me and everything. And I appreciated that. Um, but, uh, he just went to one of the companies that you worked for okay. to, to work there full time. Um, he had a full time other corporate job that had nothing to do with law and landscape maybe it was my, maybe his insurance or something like that. And he was doing law and landscape part-time, you know, solo, but then he just decided to get rid of all of that and just go full time with another law and landscape company so my, me saying all that is because, you know, you're still doing both, you know, you haven't yes. like transitioned to just full-time that and, you know, Correct. whatever. So why, why still keep your own business and working for corporate law and landscape?
2: So there was a couple things when I initially made the transition, when I first made the transition to the corporate world, it was when the season was starting to slow down. It was in November of 2018. And. When I left I still had a lot of my previous customers. I had never made the formal, hey, I'm pulling out of this industry kind of kinda of pushing it all away, saying I'm done I'm getting rid of all this work. Right. I didn't do that because I never I kinda was holding on to this optimistic view that maybe one day I would go back into doing it full time for myself. Okay. And that maybe possibly I could grow and develop my own business while working for this company a little bit using the company to pay the bills and growing my own Business and putting right. all the money I made from that back into it, right. So I was trying to basically keep it kind of small at first, but I started getting calls left and right from previous customers and previous uh, and even new customers wanting mm-hmm. a lot of work. And when I saw that the first thing, of course, went in my head was the dollar signs, right? I started seeing the dollar amount, and well, I had a hard time at first because the company I was working for. Made the mistake of letting mulch season run into April and then into May. Yeah, so wow. we were working. I mean, for that company, I was working six days a week. Some nights I wasn't getting off till about seven seven thirty. So I started losing a little bit of work because I couldn't keep it up. Uh, but once I gained some traction, things started slowing down. I was able to rebuild what I had. Yeah, and I kept a lot of it because number one, it was it was a lot less stressful. Mm-hmm. It was good stress relief, and I was it's good exercise too. Yeah, so. I started and also the money. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm <laughs> right. a very pro capitalist person. Right. There, right. <laughs> but I just, I, there's something about you going out by yourself, just cutting grass, doing, you know, hedges, working on your own that I, I hate to lose. It reminds me of why I get in this industry in the first place. And even just the relationships I have with customers mm-hmm. worked out really well. And me, I'm a kind of a creative person by nature, So still having my own business, I was allowed to be more creative and run it the way I wanted to. And it just, it kind of just kept me alive a little bit longer. Yeah. And also at the same time when I would tell people like, yeah, you know, I, I work for this company and I work for myself full time. Their eyes just got wide open. Like (laughs) what? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, but they go, wow. Yeah, I can do this. So it was a big, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. It was a confidence booster. Yeah. So I was able to sustain it, and the way I operated was, I think, like Mondays and Wednesdays when I got off work, I would go do things I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, I would do about three to seven lawns on the way home from work. And for me, it was easy because I use a lot of, I have a lot of smaller properties. that had commercial push mowers, mm-hmm. so you could easily put like a commercial twenty-one inch Toro and X Mark in the bed of your truck. On your way home, stop with these smaller properties, mow them, and then you get home. Right. And then all the bigger properties where I use my walk behinds on, I'll just drag those around with me um, yeah. during the weekday, weekend. Sometimes, hell, I would pull into my job in corporate with a truck and trailer with right. mowers on the back of it and then just head out and continue doing what I was doing. So, I mean, it was just one of those things where I, and when it all boiled down to it, it was just hard for me to let that go. I really, even to this day, I'm like, I do not want to let this go. So, 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 what is the goal?
0: Right? So, you're, gonna, <laughs> is, is it just that? Like, you, you just don't want to uh, let it go, or do you still have a goal of, well, of building your own, you know, company that you're working for right now, um, your own
2: commercial, corporate type, uh, small this, scale? There was the idea because I've seen this happen before, where I would kind of grow my own company and have somebody operate it and use that as A means of like taking off a few, you know, a little bit of money on top of it. It's kind of passive income where I kind of just ran the books, met with customers, things like that. Where you
0: weren't actively involved, but still collecting a paycheck.
2: Exactly. Where I, you know, you still are taking a little bit off the top. Mm -hmm. There's that idea with it. And there's also the the honest to God truth is, is I'm young, I'm not married, I have no family. I'm just going to keep on doing it until the day comes where I can't anymore. Right. Where. You know, I kept the corporate job and the the main job for a few reasons, including I like working with good people. Mm-hmm. I like being part of a good team. There's the health insurance and benefits, retirement, everything like that, where I could still have my own business, where I could just kind of have fun with it, use it as kind of like toy money, so to speak, yeah. where you can buy equipment, trucks, right? Um, feeds my other hobbies, right. so to speak. And right. I have that time right now because, again, I'm only 29 years old, don't have a wife and kids. I can do that right now. Right. There's going to be the day where I can no longer do that. And I know I'm going to have to bite that bullet and make a decision. Do I want to go with one path or the other? Unless I find that key person that can run my own company for me. And it also has to be on certain conditions that my own company has to stay residential. Because if I go commercial, then I get into the non-compete. Right. Right. I don't want to become a competitor to the company I currently work for. Gotcha.
0: So as long as you stay residential, which is what you are anyway, that's not a big deal.
2: So, and that's exactly it. And so it's kind of, I've thought about it a lot, and yeah. you, I think this is somewhat where you stumped me a little bit, but <laughs> that's fine. But it's kind it's, it's, of, it's, it's a work in progress. It, it's a work in progress. And the, the I think more, ultimately, you are a hustle and grinder, my friend. Well, yeah. And that's kind of the thing was is that I am happiest when I'm busy. Gotcha. I am happiest when I'm working. Like, I, I don't just work, I have. You know, I'm a guitarist in a band. Right. I have goals with music. As my other passion in life is music, I have goals with that musically. I want to learn different things, too. I want to, you know, one of the other industries I want to get into is possibly real estate. Um, I want to study real estate eventually and maybe go into that part-time or even mm. full-time. Yeah. Um.
0: But, I have, but, but what you're not doing is just sitting around <laughs> staring at the walls, oh, you know, I, I'm kinda of, bonbons, watching some cartoons oh, or something, day, you know. I, I have days like that and <laughs> well, we,
2: yeah, we, rain days and usually yeah. I'm just at home kinda like, all right, I'm watching yeah. Videos on YouTube about yeah, just kind of zone out a little bit. You kind of zone out, drink coffee yeah. all day, but that's not but, a regular oh, thing. You're no, not sleeping no, 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 in no. every
0: day. And you're I'll not I, changing your pajamas, you know, <laughs>
2: for I'll, a week. You know, yeah, I, you're not doing that ever. I remember one day I had that. <laughs> <laughs> it was about four years ago. Was it was four, four or five, something like that. Four or five years ago, I just got out of bed, and I was in my pajamas all day, just watching TV, playing video <laughs> games, playing guitar, and I, I, I basically the next time i changed clothes when i took a shower that night i went to bed in another yeah. pair of pajamas and it, <laughs> it's a very rare day that happens um i milk it for all it's worth but yeah. it's kind of like a, a few years ago i remember i was kind of going through a difficult time when i was about um i was about 23 24 mm-hmm. i remember sitting at a bar at a steakhouse near here i got steak and some whiskey and I was kind of just thinking about life and i basically took every idea i had everything i wanted to do everything i wanted to accomplish every material possession how i even wanted down to like what mowers i would use to cut my own grass with for christ's sake my own house for christ's <laughs> sakes. And, and i just went just started writing it down just every idea i had i jotted down on a piece of paper and just I still have that. It's a black and yellow book I got sitting at home. I need to find it because it just has everything written down in there. And as time went on, you know, you go back on, you start crossing things out. You're like, no, I don't want to do that anymore through experience. Or it's like, you know, I don't need to do that anymore. It doesn't matter. But I realized that there's a lot I want to accomplish, a lot I want to do. And not to make this conversation more, but there is the day I am going to die. Right and we all are yeah yeah and do i want to sit there on my deathbed knowing that did i is there anything i regret
0: right yeah that's no one wants to live with those regrets in their deathbed
2: and if if you look back on it you look back on your life and say you know what i accomplished everything i wanted to do or at least what i thought was important right because you, you hear so many people you hear so many people in this world who live with regrets, or just miserable, negative people. And I right. was like that for a bit. I remember especially when I was trying to organize my business and I was going to college and trying to do a lot of the time, I was negative, I was nasty, I was just a pessimistic SOB, nobody wanted to be around. Mm. And you can't be like that and expect yourself to accomplish so much because right. you're not going to get those things. Yeah. So when you start moving forward and walking forward, at least having somewhat of a positive outlook on life, Do you really have that ability to get the things in life you want yeah and i also started getting defeated because not everything was coming to me at the time i wanted to Mm. and i was getting impatient i was getting frustrated i was getting pissed off right and after a while you kind of realize you can't be like that yeah so kind of going back to the original point i wanted to be the person that said you know what i am going to get the things i want out of life and accomplish these things that I have written down in this book. Like I wanted to grow my own business. I want to, and one of the things I dream about hell is going back to get my doctorate in economics and teaching college level economics. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen soon, but it's one of the things I want to do. So I work hard and I do everything I can to kind of cross off that bucket list. And through that, I've met people I never thought I would meet. I've gotten things and accomplished I never thought I would before. And things that have happened in my life, I never expected to, but they did anyway. And I'm thankful and blessed that they did. And I'm not even maybe a tenth of the way throughout everything I wanted to do. And so there's more I know I could have done if I had taken the initiative and had a better mindset, had a better plan, and not expected so much to happen so quickly. So I just work hard, I work a lot, and try to, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say wing it, but trying to say, okay, will this will this work this time or what's gonna happen now? Right. And you kinda of get closer and closer to closer to that point where you say, you know what, I'm I think I'm on the right path. Or I think I've I'm I'm comfortable. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, Kevin. I don't, I,
0: I don't know what I'm going to title this episode, man. I'm, I'm going to have a tough time. Were, were you expecting this type of conversation oh, when you brought me in? I'm just going to have to title it, Kevin's the man. Oh, man, I don't even know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, let's, it's, let's 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 just uh, nerd out a little bit here to, <laughs> sure, to, to, sure. to wrap up the episode on uh, okay, on, on some course. fun
2: stuff, some rigs and mower. Is that a new truck you got out? There? Yes, yes, I just bought it this year. It's the first brand new vehicle I ever bought. It's a really? twenty. Yeah, it's it's nothing special. It's just a, thank you, thank you. It's just a it's a brand new twenty twenty F one fifty. It's okay. nothing special. It's got the um, EcoBoost V six in it. Mm-hmm. Eight foot bed, regular cab, um, four wheel drive, tow package. My favorite thing about it is it's got Sirius XM satellite radio in it. <laughs> there so I can you go. I can plug in like the old hard rock and metal I used to listen to in the nineties alternative and all yeah. love music I love when I was a teenager and a child. Yeah. So I can, you know, relive my, my past a little bit. <laughs> nice. And, but it's it's simple, it's not much, and it's right. a good vehicle to kind of help me with everything. It's got great fuel economy. Um this is the first vehicle I plan on getting next down the road. It's probably gonna be an f three fifty extended cab, work truck. Um, I love it. It's great. So it's Yeah. Yeah. Um so what what uh what,
0: what mowers I guess haven't you used? <laughs> we'll start that way. Oh,
2: there's a lot I, I actually the one brand I don't have a lot of experience with is actually Skag. Okay. So Skag is a brand that I just, think not one that you had, huh? Not one I've tried. Like I've tried I'm now off the list, I've tried Xmark, Toro, Wright, um, Ferris, John Deere, Kubota, Hustler. Gravely Walker, wow. Um, Walker. That's yeah. Yeah, that was a weird experience. I was I went to a uh, a Ferris dealer in Richmond that also had Walker, huh? And called a uh, Tylo equipment, and I just was talking to him. I guess I had nothing better to do that day, yeah. so I was just going by <laughs> there, and they say oh, we got all. Cause I, no, I was looking for Walkers because apparently a lot of people like using them for high end residential properties. Yeah, not yeah. around here. Yeah. But they had them, so I just kind of jumped on one. And within five minutes, I went, "I hate this thing. This thing is so weird." <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. So, it Definitely
0: takes some time to get used to it if but,
2: that's what you really want to do. But but well, so, what's your favorite? the, the X marks right? X mark. Uh, my favorite mowers are overall X mark turf tracers. Mm-hmm. Well, any Hydra Drive X mark walk behind turf yeah. tracers and Vikings. Yeah, just they are. When I work, start working commercial landscaping, you notice a lot of these companies. Brightview, Landcare, Rupert, James River Grounds mm-hmm. in our area mm-hmm. have one mower in common. That's a 60-inch cut X mark turf tracer Walk Behind. Hmm. You look at their ri- and come to find out, that's actually the number one, little people know this, that's the number one selling commercial mower on the market. Really? Yes, because wow. all these big companies buy them in bulk. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, you go to look at a Brightview trailer, sometimes they got two of them on there. Yeah. And they just, and that's why if you look at them, they already come ready with a Velky and a mulch kit on there. It's because these companies buy so many of them. How how come they don't
0: use standards or or, or riders as much? So I don't see any standards except for Nature's Way. That's one of another local company. They're the only ones that use them.
2: A few of them do. Um, We have to go back to first realizing that the brand of equipment that most of these companies use is X Mark and a little bit of Toro. Mm hmm. So, they go with X markers. X marks very good with part supply. Um, the companies can buy them in bulk and save money. But the walk behinds, the reason why they go with those, especially the turf tracers, is number one is durability. It's not unusual to get minimum three thousand hours out of a turf tracer, whether it be from the thirty sixes up to the sixties. Very durable, very reliable, very good quality of cut. I have seen a 52-inch X-Series Turf Tracer fall into a pond, be completely (laughs) submerged, be towed out of the pond, dragged out of the pond. And it fires right up. They change the oil twice, wash it off, put fresh oil in there, starts right up. Had 2,200 hours on it. Nice. It's like, it's... it's
0: you can't kill these things. You
2: can't kill them. Um, Versatile... They're very popular, especially from this region on up north because the hillside stability is one key thing the yeah. the 60s especially can hold a hill really well.
0: Um, I feel like there's also a lot less problems and and accidents that can happen with employees too. Like that's something I've been actually thinking about a lot recently like as as I continue to grow and you know as I want to send some guys out on their own and, and move on, you know, to another crew or w- whatever the deal is, you know, like I have the most efficient setup like for me and my exactly, business, right. but not necessarily for so and so, so and so and so and so that yes. might have a tremendous learning curve. Uh, not only how to ride a stand-on mower but how to hold a corner or you know you know know what slopes to and not to mess with and and the different conditions and i I, I do a lot of crazy stuff on my grandstands (laughs) that i probably should not be doing just from years and years of of muscle memory and knowing your equipment but i feel like walk-behinds are such a a smaller learning curve that they are anyone could just grab them and go
2: well yeah well it's kind of funny you mention that i've heard different arguments where some people think the riders and stand-ons because they got the uh The the handlebar controls are easier for people to learn. Mm -hmm. Some people have argued the walk-behinds are easier to learn, at least the control side. Mm. But with walk-behinds, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out how to hold a hill with them. Right. And somebody with not a lot of skill can easily hold a hill with them. Right. On top of that, you don't have to, if it gets wet out there, you tell the guys, pull the Velkies off and walk the turf. Right. It makes it a lot easier for them to have good, high-quality, good-looking turf. Another thing is, and people don't realize this, but on properties under a certain acreage amount or a certain size, the 60 uh, if you put a 60-inch X-Mark walk behind next to a 60-inch laser, it'll be faster to mow that property with that 60-inch walk behind.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: P- I, I, th- my former branch manager at my previous company mentioned this, but there's, there's some kind of science behind it where they've calculated that I think the because it's easier to turn them or the way they turn plus the power-to-weight ratio of the machine – it's just overall more productive to mow in those tight areas compared to say a rider. That yeah. that being said, you start getting these wide open fields. Absolutely, these riders are what right you know people are going towards. Big fields, large acreage is what they use. Right now, going back to the stand on argument, the reason why again not many people use standards is because most of these big companies use X and XMark, to be honest, as much as their product, their weakest link is their stand-on units. Mm-hmm. They had the Vantages before, which were not that great. The previous company I had tried the Vantages to replace Riders, quickly got rid of them, replaced them with more walk-behinds, mm. because they had problems with keeping the decks level and a few other things. Mm-hmm. The, the technicians, the mechanics were not fans of them. Gotcha. And then the Staris came out yeah. recently. And that thing has just been a load of problems. Yeah. Wow. Um some of the companies that were competitors of ours had bought them and bought them and shipped them out to, especially out towards the coast and Williamsburg areas. And it was just problem after problem to the point where Kohler Equipment, the dealer I deal with, mm-hmm. will not stock them. They, wow. will, they also stock Ferris and Wright. And they said, if you want to stand on, go with Ferris and Wright. Yeah. Um, you want walk behind riders? X Mark's great. Push mowers? X Mark's fantastic. But if you want stand ons, we mm. will we do not recommend them just gotcha. the amount of problems they've had the technical issues it's just been a mess yeah and what yeah. about
0: what, what what about rigs now so that the uh th- we were talking about this a little bit off off air the different types of uh, rigs based on like um you know the 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 i guess the yes. type of accounts and the areas yes. you know that the, the regional issues you know whether you have a tight very urban area in the cities pulling a big, you know, right. truck and trailer is not really the best bet, you know, and all this it's, kind of yeah. stuff. So but then there's also companies that have, you know, F two fifties or F three fifties pulling a, you know, twenty foot enclosed trailer and then you have the large national company you work for that like has nothing but dump trucks yeah, four fifty dump yeah, trucks p- yeah. pulling a twenty foot enclosed that, trailer for everything yeah. for, for lawn maintenance we're t- still talking about. Yeah. Mean, it's like what is what is what is happening? There's so many varieties of these so things.
2: kind of going back, you go mention the dump trailers and the big trailers. The yeah. dump trucks and, and, the, and big the big trailers. trailers excuse me. Yeah. That goes back to Brickman. Brickman which is which merged with the Valley Platform right. Brightview was all about production getting work done. They had, usually they had these massive Ford F450s with 20-foot long trailers, where the F450s, because of the way they modified them, they try to get anywhere from five to eight guys in there, because they had the, they call it dog boxes, they had modified cabs where they could fit more people in them. Mm -hmm. They had these big trailers, they could fit two walk-behinds, two riders, push mowers, all nine yards. It was all about production, getting as much work as you can get done. Right. Well, obviously, a rig that big cannot fit in certain cities. So, companies modified it to where you use these big rigs with, with dump trucks and 20 foot long trailers or six on 16 foot trailers. Because throughout a maintenance season, especially if you're doing a lot of large commercial jobs or apartment complexes, you can pretty much do anything with that rig. Yeah. During mulch season, you got that dump truck. Dump that in there. We can fit say eight yards of mulch mm-hmm. or ten if you're on site and your guys you can have two trucks like that going around just dumping um mulch off or guys feeding mulch out of that dump truck right. to get work down and what it does is it eliminates the idea that you need to get a separate uh dump trailer for that right in addition to that that's a good rig to have if you have snow because you can easily just fit a salt spreader on the back of there and throw a plow on the and front and a plow and that there truck can go. do it all yeah and then you have the trailer which fits all your equipment now, the really the only downside to that rig is the size, weight, it's basically just the size of it. Right. Which includes the weight and the cost of that. Right. So it's expensive and when you start getting into a lot of urban areas and cities, it becomes cumbersome. That's where they start modifying it to buying like Isuzu NPRs, um smaller trucks like just standard F2 F350 trucks with mm-hmm. Shorter trailers, usually twelve to fourteen footers, mm-hmm. smaller equipment that can fit in these urban areas, right? Which is what you see. I mean, a lot of residential guys are doing that. Yeah. But the main the main thing about these rigs and a lot of these commercial companies operate is compared to residential mm-hmm. is with residential companies, you send out a mowing rig. Usually, that's all they're doing. You may right. have a foreman spraying weeds, right? But if they just send a truck and trailer, a truck and rig out there, they're just filled with nothing but mowers. And trimmers, right? With a commercial mowing rig, in a lot of cases, at least this is my experience. Your miles may vary. You're not just sending out those guys out with mowers. You're sending out there with hedge shears, hedge trimmers out mm-hmm. there. You're sending them out there backpack doing sprayers. Backpack sprayers. They're doing a lot more than just cutting the grass right. when you go to the job site. Yeah, because the commercial landscaping what people don't realize is you can skip mowing and still save a contract. As long as the weeds are, under, we call the detail work. Right, Your weeds are under control. The pruning and shearing of the bushes has been taken care of. The plant material looks good. Um, you know, trees have been limbed up properly. It look good. Mm-hmm. The detail work, the curb lines right. look good. Right, and you'll save a, and you you won't lose a contract over that. Right, because customers understand if you need to go back and cut the grass next week or in a couple of days, that's okay. Right. But if you let the weeds go to hell, you let these critical crucial point areas on a property like entrances, entrances to buildings, right. specific beds go to hell with weeds, bad pruning, plant material looks bad, there's dead plants in there. That will what is what loses commercial jobs. Yeah. So your commercial mowing rigs, yes, have a lot of big mowers on there. But while mowing is important, it is least important in the order of operations of attacking commercial jobs. Hmm. So wow, that was something not a lot of people really realize. Compared to yeah. residential, where right. if you don't cut that week, you're going to lose that job. Right, that's the
0: main thing they're paying you for. Right, exactly. And I even remember you were saying this too. Once upon a time, when you first started working uh, for for the the company that you just left, some of your immediate takeaways was the talking about order of operation. Now they don't want they don't want their crew leaders to be on the mowers. Right, which is kind of contrary to, to like. You know, everything, you know, but, but because they, they want you to to grab a trimmer and walk around the whole, be around the whole property, always be available yes. to the, Hey, you know, I need you to do this, or you didn't do that. Or, you know, fixing problems, talking to customers, whatever they, you, you could just be more mobile, right? I, yeah. I, obviously you can say it better than me, but I'm just trying to say so you up for that.
2: The idea is, is that you being the foreman, you being the supervisor, whatever term you want to call it, the crew leader, whatever, you're probably the most experienced person on that crew. Right. So, you got the eye for detail. You got the eye for knowledge. But that's why people think that, that you should be on the mower. So, it's well, a different philosophy here. But when it comes to commercial landscaping, you have to remember mowing is the least important of right. the operations. Exactly. It is important, but it is the least important. Right. So, it is your job. In addition to that, your job is also training the guys you have under you. So, you got a five man team. Right. You got a new guy out there. Your job is to show him basic equipment knowledge, like, like for instance, stick edges. It's a good idea to take guys who have very little experience, put them on a stick edge, yeah. or he just, and he just goes with it. Right. He can screw up very little, or right. even push mowers. Right. Very simple pieces of equipment you could teach them to use. Right. While well, you send out your... But uh, so you can to, still keep an
0: eye on them, yes. too, because you know, you're not stuck on a mower trying to get the stripes down way over on the other side of the property.
2: Exactly. Where you send your, I guess, mid to a little bit more experienced guys you put on the mowers. Mm-hmm. Um, you send them out to be cutting grass. You put your most experienced guys on your weed eaters and you, when you're done doing your detail work, also grab a weed eater as well. Mm. Ed Wright said this, we could talk Wright, Who's another manufacturer. I have some experience with too. later on. Right. Ed Wright actually posted this on a forum saying that it's very, people don't realize this, but you want to put your most experienced guys on weed eaters because inexperienced weed eater guys can cause a lot of damage. That is the number one piece of equipment in commercial landscaping that causes the most damage. 'Cause sometimes guys weed eat too low to the ground, so mm-hmm. they burn the turf, or they hit rocks, break windows, they hurt themselves and the equipment. Right. So weed eating is like this I jokingly kinda of said weeding is an art. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's I mean, an it art is. form. It's a skill. Like not everyone it, can edge with a with a weed eater. They for, can't. for sure. So
2: hell, some companies even tell you not to edge with a weed eater right. at all. Everything all yeah. the edging is. Exactly. Yeah. Which for your hard edges is great. Your soft edges, like your mulch bed, yeah. let yeah. not go yeah, down we, that. We're not going hole. down that lovely hole. Yeah. It, that, that was policy dictated by people who never did our jobs. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but the point is, is that you, you and your most experienced guys that you have working for you want to be weed eating and doing the most detailed work, including uh, pulling weeds, shearing bushes, checking plant material. Um, spraying for weeds, especially in cracks, things like that. Mm-hmm. Make when, it,
0: when you say checking plant material, what is that? what do you mean for those much, that don't know what's going on?
2: Pretty much any type of plants. You can go on a job site, and when you want to look at plant material, you can start seeing like dead in plant material. Oh, I got you. A lot of these commercial companies, you may not see them, but their guys have hand pruners on them.
0: Yeah, so he, they're always cutting stuff back and keeping them cleaned yes. up.
2: So when you drive by a plant, you see like, oh, here's a there's a little bit of a limb or branch that's in front of me, or it's too low, or starting to get onto the sidewalk, you can cut yeah, that off. Gotcha. Or you look into your bushes, you start seeing that there's some dead going in the bushes. Cut you that go in out. there, cut that out at the bottom and take it out. Or if you need to hand prune something, like people don't realize this, but you're supposed to be pruning back azaleas with hand pruners. And the not old, just
0: hitting them with the weed. I mean, with the uh, the. Hedge oh shimmers. God, yeah. that,
2: that's like a cardinal sin <laughs> in horticulture. That's a yeah. cardinal sin. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Granted, if you're just lightly tipping it, you get it with the, your gas yeah. hedge shears, right? But for the most part, just you should if, be getting in there with your pruners. You get down yeah. there with the pruners, yeah. Um, things like that when you check your or just looking around at plants. So there's a dead plant just sitting there. Yeah, on the job, so just rip it out and throw it in the back of your truck. That's um, what, hence why a dump truck comes in handy. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, if you, you see sticks on the job site, that's another thing. Or are falling branches. Again, mm-hmm. you throw in the back of your dump truck. Yeah. So I guess they have to have, like, all-encompassing
0: situation, you know, back yes. to your point. They, they, they want to minimize the visits, you know, time is money. Let's be efficient. Yes. So it might seem inefficient carrying like everything but the kitchen sink, <laughs> but at the same time you can accomplish anything there that needs to be done. There's so many exactly. components at a commercial property that you really have to be prepared.
2: Yes, you have to basically go on there knowing because like I said, you're not going in there just to cut the grass. Right. You're doing so much other so much else. And if you got a 5-man crew as well, you can send three guys on mowers. You can have one guy on, a, on the rider, one guy on the 60 walk behind, one guy on the 52, tell them where they should be hitting those jobs and get a lot of grass cut, especially on these large multi-acre properties, apartment complexes, commercial, large commercial sites. And you send those guys out and they're just getting all this work done. You want to maximize what you're given to be most productive, to get as much done as possible. So, I mean, like we, the previous company I worked for my rig was a fifty-two walk behind, sixty walk behind, sixty rider, or sixty or another sixty walk behind, depending on the day. I would trade my ride with somebody else's walk behind,
3: mm-hmm.
2: a thirty-six walk behind, and a twenty-one inch commercial X mark push mower. And so that's a lot of equipment they put in there. Right. You're trying to maximize that because you're what you have, may be anywhere from a couple small potion stamp properties to which. Are budgeted for only a few hours that you're supposed to be there for, to large multi acre commercial properties where you're going to be there for multiple hours of the day. Right. Or, la- or 20 hours, so to speak. Or, right. Or, I mean, or 50 man hour jobs. So you're trying to use all that equipment to get as much work done as you can. Where, I mean, we're, we're used to residentials. We're talking about a quarter to full size acre piece of property. We only need one or two mowers on it. And, you know, you may just have like two, I don't know, like a 48, or 52-inch cut mower or a 60 and a 48, whatever it is. Right. And that's all you need. But you need to be built for versatility. You need to be built for production and efficiency in the commercial landscaping game. And your rigs have to reflect the routes you give those guys. yeah So let's say, like, let's talk about like Washington, D.C. Mm. And you see the rigs guys have in there. It's usually like an Isuzu NPR. Right two walk-behinds, 30-inch push mower, and 21-inch push mower, and that's it. Right. Or even a van with like a 36, couple push mowers. But then you get down here where you go to some place like, I don't know, uh, Mill Woods, right. which is a property I maintain right now, where you got guys going out there with two right stand-on mowers right walk behind and you got guys doing all this other stuff out there too trying to get all this work accomplished because and it's not just one crew it's two crews attacking this job Mm. site because there's so much work that needs to get done with the details and the mowing right so size of the property reflects the size of the rigs gotcha wow well kevin we gotta wrap this up (laughs) man this was an
0: awesome episode honestly i think i have to break this into two two parts (laughs) we, we need to make this uh you know like to 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 kick off the new year with with this uh, two part episode because you the amount of knowledge that you dropped <laughs> your your passion for the industry and your experience well, you. and everything and it just uh, it, it's gonna get it gets me fired up I know it's gonna get everybody else fired up and if well, it, I hope it, it does yeah if it doesn't get someone fired up listening to this I, I don't think they should be in this industry I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just
2: gonna go on air saying well, that, oh thank so, you I, no I appreciate yeah. the time and I hope that the things I have to say people can learn from and grow and develop because. As, again, there's so much in this industry and so much knowledge that's out there that you can learn and so much experience. Like a lot of these guys, just, I, and I was in this position where you go in this industry, you got a truck, a trailer, and mowers, and you think, oh, I know it all. Right. Oh, I think I know it's how it's going to work. And then you start getting into that bigger game of bigger properties, bigger companies, and how they operate and how the commercial game is played and the depth of management and business to this industry it's a completely different ball game so there's so much to learn and so much that i hope that what i've said can influence people and kind of open their eyes and make them think about how we operate why some of these companies do what they do how 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 people like i i do think right so yeah well, thanks again, Kevin. Oh, no. I appreciate it. And, oh, thank uh, you for having me. I, it yeah. was great. I'm I'm glad some people can hear what I had to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I look forward to continuing to follow along your story, and uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, meet up again. And oh, great. Know, maybe go grab a bite to eat or something like that. And, and you know, if, if anything else, um, the go, next... go
2: go for a few pints probably once yeah. this thing opens. So yeah, exactly.
0: Opens up. Exactly. And um, and uh, you know, maybe we'll have you back on the show again one day okay. after you know you've you've. Done some more things to, <laughs> to talk about and some more experience. So you may have a subtopic like all the, like once a month, and Kevin comes
2: back into the podcast yeah. and rants about X, Y, and Z. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, man. You have a good night. Thank Thanks. you, Naylor. Y'all have, take care.
1: Mr. Producer here, and if you're enjoying Naylor's podcast, I recommend you head on over to his YouTube channel at LCR and see what else he's doing for the community and become a part of the LCR Media Network. Just click join next to the subscribe button and you'll have instant access to exclusive training videos, a private Facebook group to network with other members, and live streams with Naylor. You'll get access to every YouTube video before anybody else does, and you can even schedule Zoom one-on-one video calls with the Lawn Care Rookie and talk about anything you may need help with in your business, like best types of equipment, going part-time to full-time, how to get the best route density, finding your ideal clients, finding employees, or just anything else you need help with. Again, all of this exclusive access is for LCR Media Network members only. Just click join next to the subscribe button on the LCR YouTube channel and be a rookie for life. This has been an LCR Media and Mr. Producer production.